Hello and welcome to Southside Church Podcast. For information about our church located in Cape Town, South Africa, go and check out our website, southsidechurch.co.za. We trust that the message would inspire you today. My name is Desmond and I'm an elder, I'm, a former, I'm an elder on the leadership team here at Southside um, and I've been given the privilege to uh, speak today. And the, my message is entitled, The Road to Success, Navigating the In-Between Times, or Understanding the In-Between Times. So today I want to speak about the In-Between Times. So Gab, 2022, we had the opportunity to go and see Gabriella graduate at the University of Azusa, and that's in Los Angeles. And four years, it took her four years, Bonita and I, we went there. And we sat there, as any parent, proud parent, we sat there. And they called Gabby's name. And we shouted and we celebrated. Timothy graduates from UCT in March. We're going to do the same. We're going to sit there, we're going to grad, and we're going to shout, and we're going to celebrate because of what they've done. But as we're sitting there, the message was that in-between time, what happened in that in-between time? The time that you started the studies to the time you finished. We celebrate this, but we never take note of what is happening in between. Because you're taking a step every single day towards that end. And that is a struggle. And sometimes we don't actually like that struggle. We want to avoid that struggle. But that struggle is important. So today, I want to celebrate that in-between times. I want to say that your success is good to celebrate, but we must also celebrate the in-between times. So I want to concentrate on Joseph, the story Joseph. And the anchor scripture is Genesis 39, 1 to 2. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the royal guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, what I want you to take note of, very importantly, the story of Joseph is from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50. You don't have to worry. I'm not going to do the whole, all those chapters. It's just that I want you to concentrate on Genesis 39. It's two chapters after the story of Joseph begins. And this is what it says about Joseph. It says... The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. So two chapters into his story, he was already successful, according to God. So that's the one scripture I want you to take note of. The second scripture I want you to take note of is Philippians 1.6. And this is for us. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So the day you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he started the work. He actually started the work way before when you were born. But the work started when you accepted him. And he is faithful to complete that work. No matter what the struggle is in between, you've got to realize I am successful. I belong to a king. And he is going to be looking after me. And I'm going to be successful until the end. So... Growing up, I grew up in an area called Bridgetown, which is an area similar to Ocean View. And success, I didn't know what success looked like. Because when I looked around, there was actually nothing that sort of pointed me to success. I didn't look, I didn't see it. I grew up in the church, and I, I was a bit, I, I think I was a little confused 
in the church at the time. Because the two scriptures that got me confused was this, John 10, 10. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come that you may have life and have it in abundance or that you might have it in full. But when I looked around, there was no life in abundance. So where's that? So for me, that was almost like a contradiction. Then the other scripture was John 14, 13. It says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be gloried in the Son. But I, I never saw that. So that was, for me, it was a bit of a struggle. I couldn't see the success. I, could, I didn't know when you're serving God, you're in the church, you're doing everything that you can. But we never made it. We, didn't, we had more month than we had money. It just, we just couldn't make it. So success wasn't there. So I thought to myself, that's not true. Where is the abundant life? I said, God, please show me where's the abundant life. Now, I'm a very practical person. At the age of 14, I said, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm all in, and you're going to have to provide for me. So here's what I found out in John, when looking close at John 10, 10. The problem is there's an enemy, and that enemy wants to steal what we have. So that's why we don't see that abundant life. So what does the enemy do? It steals, he steals our joy. He kills our faith, and he destroys our hope. So we're in that, and we can't see. So we don't see the success. So I'm going to try, hopefully, to show you how we can have that success. That success. So let's first of all look to the worldview of success. So the worldview of success is as follows. It says, and it's good points because it's the same as what Jesus tells us. It says, you have to take responsibility. Your thinking may limit your success or it might stop your success. You must be focused and you mustn't get distracted. So those are good points. So I want to concentrate more on the story of Joseph. Just the last one. It says focus. Focus is follow one course until successful. That's difficult because you decide, I'm sure, if you're honest, you made resolutions at the beginning of the 1st of January. And now we're at the second week. I'm sure some of them have actually fallen away because we got distracted. We put a plate of food. There's a nice cheesecake or something like that. And we have that. And we say, we're going to go diet. And we say, no, we'll diet. We'll start on Monday. So we get distracted. So we don't get focused. So we make a note and we say, this is where we want to go. And we get distracted. But here's the good news. Second Corinthians 12, 9 says, But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. So the first part, the world says, I. But when you talk, when Jesus comes on the scene, and then it says, the Lord and I will be successful. It's not I, because now we have the grace of God is with us. And grace stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. So grace and mercy goes hand in hand. So God's grace is sufficient when we start the journey of becoming successful. It is sufficient to carry you through. So now I'm going to tell you a little story about what I thought when I was growing up, what success was. And success looked like this. That was success for me. So in 1984, BMW 
decided to bring the three series to South Africa. And I was studying, I was in my second year of dentistry studying, and I had a friend, and his father bought him a BMW 320i. And it cost, at that time, 17,000 Rand GST, general sales tax. Those who can remember that, I know what age you are. So, so that was 17,000. Today it's probably, probably about 1.7 million. But he had this BMW, and he had the skirts put on it. That's all the stuff on the bottom. He had a twin exhaust pipe. He had a Momo steering wheel, which is a small racing steering wheel, and he had racing gloves. So he put racing gloves. So I would meet him. I was bridged down. There's the N2. I'd meet him on the N2. He'd give me a lift, and we'd drive. And you should hear that car. And I sat in. I felt like a king. Because when we came onto campus, everybody like ran at you, and they chatted, and whatever. And I said, God, that is success. I want to have, you must, I want to get that. So I went to BMW, I used to get brochures, I put the brochures down. Every time they changed the model, I said, God, when? And then I got this, and I went, and, and I get all this, and I had a poster on the wall, and I put it on, and I said, that is success. I want to have that. Little did I know, that's not actually what success is. Success is not what we have. It's not what we have. It's not the car. It's not the clothes, it's not the Gucci belt, it's not the Gucci shoes, it's not the Louis Vuitton bag, it's not the money in the bank, that's not success. But I thought it was success. But then, I always wanted to have a BMW. 1984, 1995, I got my BMW. Well, how did I get my BMW? Bonita Plato married me, and she became Bonita Murphy, which is BM. So, so that, that is the BM. She had skirts. <laughs> she had a sound. <laughs> so God gave me a BM. You see? So that's what it is. So I want to now talk about how do we actually do that in-between times? What do we navigate during that in-between time? Now, what's important? The struggle is important. Why is the struggle important? Because in the struggle, we're being prepared. Like Joseph, I can't do the whole story of Joseph, but Joseph was given a, prom a dream, and he was given a promise. And he thought, I'm going to be great, and my brothers are going to bow down to me, and he thought it was going to be tomorrow. Joseph was 17 years old. He only realized this dream 14 years later. So, I, so the, why the struggle is important? Because God is preparing you for the promise. So you might be in a place and you say, God, when? You know, I've been trusting you for this relationship. I've been trusting you for this financial breakthrough. I've been trusting you for this family member. I've been trusting you for a house. I've been trusting. There's a struggle. And that struggle is in between. But in that struggle, we've got to praise God, and we've got to keep moving towards what God has promised. So what we do, we lose sight, and we say, God, you're not coming through for me. I will just let go. So that's important. So the struggle is important. So the lotto, we know 70% of people who win the lotto end up being broke. And the reason for that is because they got it easy. They got more money than what they could deal with. They thought they had more money. They didn't have the capacity to deal with the other thing, they had family and friends. 
family and friends make loans and it will go on forever. So they end up with him. So my lovely story that I always like to tell is my story about the butterfly. The butterfly, when it goes from a caterpillar, it goes into a cocoon. And then in the two middle pictures of that process, you find it comes out of the cocoon. As it comes out of the cocoon, there's a struggle. It's a painful struggle as it forces itself out of the cocoon. And then because of that struggle, the blood, ves- the blood goes into the vessels of the wings, and the wings strengthen. It can actually open up. And then it comes through, and then it flies off. My, my wife loves butterflies. That's why the story is so important. Then, now if you were to go at the second one, and you made a little slit with the knife. The butterfly doesn't have the struggle. So what happens? The butterfly comes out of that, no blood into the wings, hits the ground, can't fly, and just walks on the ground. So the butterfly ending up being not what it, its purpose is not what it's supposed to be intended for. It just becomes a glorified caterpillar. So why is that important? The struggle that you're going through is important because God is busy shaping you through that, preparing you to handle the promise which is so big that He wants to give you. Amen? Okay, so what is God's, God's view of success? Okay, so here we go. God's view of success. Success is not determined by what you have, but who you have. Isn't that so important? Now, in our first scripture we read, we said that the Lord was with Joseph. And Joseph was a successful man. The second chapter of his life. And you know where that was? It was when he was standing in the courtyard. He was naked. He was being traded to Potiphar. And he was being bought. And I said, how, how come you could say that he was successful? That's what the Lord said he, when he had nothing. When he stood alone there. He was successful because the Lord was with him. That's why he was successful. You have to follow who you are in Christ. The rest will follow. If you know who you are in Christ, the rest will follow. When I started out my practice in, with, down here in Fishuk, um, we, we couldn't afford big premises, so we just, I had one room, and I had a chair, and I saw, and uh, Gabriella and Timothy, they had a, the next room was their room. So we used to tell them, and I see patients, you must keep quiet, you mustn't make a noise, I'm going to go and see. So they were next to me that side. And they could hear all the conversations. Then they would say, Daddy, you said this. And, Daddy, you said, and, it's, and it, so they could hear. And I could hear them as well. And then the person in the chair would say, is there somebody? And, and I said, no, no, it's fine. It's the radio making a noise. But <laughs> so I would sit there. So when I came out, one day Timothy asked me, he said, Daddy, don't you get upset when people don't call you Dr. Murphy? Do you know you get upset when they say Desmond or they say Murphy or they would so I took him my degree, a plaque on the wall, and I said, I don't need validation from people. I went to university and I got a degree. This tells me who I am. I don't need somebody to tell me. Now, when you lift up the Bible and you see what God thinks of you and the title that he gives to you, when people tell you, you will amount to nothing, you are of no good, you're going nowhere, you'll never be able to afford that. Then you say, I know who I am in Christ. Because I don't need a validation from a person. I don't need someone to tell me. I don't need my ego to be pushed up. So what's important? We got to know who we are in Christ. Then the next, quest, next point is, 
Success is but merely a point on the journey of life. It is not the end goal. And this is what God says success is. It says in Deuteronomy 10, 12, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. That is the definition of success. Number one, you've got to fear the Lord. Now, fear is not to be scared of the Lord. It means to reverence Him, to keep Him in holiness, to understand that God is sovereign, to understand He's the Lord God Almighty, and He can do anything that you ask Him to do. That is what it means. Then it means you have to be obedient. And that's difficult. You know, we don't like to be obedient. And then you've got to love Him. And then you've got to serve Him with all your heart. And that is the definition of success according to the Lord. So here we go to Joseph's life. Now I can't go through all Joseph's life, but this is what Joseph's life is. If you looked at a photo album, and I don't know how many people still keep a photo album, but if you look at a photo album, you'll see only the highlights, all the good things, people smiling, and the one, one event to the next event to the next event, you see all that. You don't see the in-between, but there's in-between there. And the same with Joseph. Joseph, there were in-between struggles that he had to overcome, but there was a promise. So Joseph's life is a foreshadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. And why it's a foreshadow? It's because he was given a promise, and he fulfilled the promise. There was a shedding of the blood. You remember, they took his coat, and they took a coat out, and they had to take a wild animal and put it on. He was sold into slavery. Joseph was sold 20 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold for 30. And silver means redemption, or it means ransom, or it means truth. It's the buyback. On the cross, when Jesus hung there, he paid the ransom for sin. He bought us back, and we became his own. He was wrongfully accused. Jesus was wrong. Uh, Joseph was wrongfully accused. Joseph saved the nation, but praise, the God, praise God, Jesus saved the world. He was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery. He spent two years in jail. And he was 14 years after the captivity. He was made second only to Pharaoh. So my question is, how long have you been waiting for your promise to be fulfilled? God gave you a promise. God, something he said he's going to do or something God laid on your heart. And that in between times, that struggle that's in between, you might say, you know what, it's been too long, but God is busy working through that. You're going to be successful, and why do you need to be successful? It's so that the Father in heaven can be glorified through your success. So some challenges in the in-between times. So I'm going to go quickly through this. It is family. Family is some of the, you saw in Joseph's life, family was a bit of a struggle because they were jealous of him because of what he had favor with his father, and they wanted to kill him because of that. So Joseph, family never understood. And sometimes that's the problem within family. We don't understand the issue. There's a relationship, but we don't understand the issue. So we confuse the two. And family, I always say, I've been placed in my family, you've been placed in your family, and there's a reason why you've been placed in there. And I love this quote. It says, children are the living messages we send to a time we will not see. Isn't that beautiful? Your child that you're busy raising, that God gives you, what you put into that child is a message that's going to the future 
where you're not going to be, but it's going to carry on. So that's why it's important. A family is the caretaker of the soul. Every fr- Sunday evening, we have a family meeting. And in the family meeting, we sit down and we discuss everything went wrong in the week and we start talking about stuff and who did this. Obviously, in that meeting, I did nothing wrong. I was just, the whole week, I was just so good. And so we discuss all those stuff. Why do we do that? It's, it's awkward. And it's, but if you, I have a good family, but I want to have a great family. So we sit down and we say, and we come from a place of love. And we sit there and we cry and we help each other. The next week I do the same mistake and we start it all over again. But, <laughs> but that is what we do. We sit down because family is important and it's important to God. The future is purchased by the present. Whatever we do today, that impacts on the future. Then friends, it says, if you hang out with four millionaires, you will become the fifth one. So I'm looking for four millionaires. <laughs> right. so, you four, so you hang out. And the reason for that is because friends pick you up and they lift you up and they push you forward. But also friends correct you when you're wrong. I've been blessed to have friends for over, friends probably over 40 years. And they will tell me when I did something wrong. And they will tell me and they guide me and I go to them for advice and they tell me. And this is what it says about, about friends in the Bible. In Proverbs it says, plans fails for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. The third one is finances. That's a big one. I mean, Bonita sent me to the shop to go and buy milk. And I thought milk cost 12 rand. (laughs) You know, I thought it was 12 rand. It's like almost close to to 40 rand, I think. And the loaf of bread. Gabriella wanted a medlem and the pack of 10. And I went in the shop and it's 144 rand. I said, when did that happen? When did that go up like that? But that's the cost of living. So finances in your journey, in the success, the one success to the next success, as you navigate, finances become a problem. And that's why we've got to find help to help us with that finances. So why are we still successful? So, so why are we su- still successful? The reason why we are still successful is because of the cross. On the cross, Jesus settled the death for sin, once and for all, past, present, and future. Because of this, we are greatly blessed, highly favored, and deeply loved. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, he gave us the favor. There's a beautiful story that's seen in 2 Samuel 4, verse 4. And this is what it says. It's a story of David when he became king. He just he, he won the battle against Saul, and he became king, and he was ready to give a a banquet. He was going to have a banquet to celebrate. And then he said, is there any of the household of Saul that I can show favor to? And then they said, the one person that's left is Mephibosheth, the grandson of Saul. But they said, what happened to Mephibosheth? He was five years old. When he was five years old, the nurse carried him down the steps because of the battle and she was running away. And then she fell and he fell off the steps and he broke his legs. So he can't walk. So he he just he has to be carried all over. So David said he wants to have Mephibosheth at the banquet. And so the nurse brought him and they sat at the back. And when David saw him, David said, bring him to the table. And they brought him to the table and he had a seat at the king's table. He sat at the king's table. He had favor 
at the king's table. From that day forth, he sat at the king's table. What's at the table? At the table, there's nourishment, there's provision, there's safety, there's belonging. He felt all of that. That is what the cross did for us. When Jesus died on the cross, he invited us to the table. He said, don't sit at the back, come to the table. You have a seat at the table with the king. And that's why we can be successful. And sometimes we don't understand. The cross, the cross, salvation is free. But the cross is not cheap. It cost heaven's best so that order we could come to that table. So, there's sometimes what happens is through our journey between the one success and the next success and the in-between, we find that sometimes we have doubt. And Charity Gale says this. She's a gospel singer who sings praise and worship songs. Beautiful. And she says, in the field of doubt, plant a seed of praise. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? When you doubt during that period of that in-between times, you're not quite sure what it is. Know that God is with you. You might not feel that God is here, but know that God is with you. And in those times of doubt, you plant a seed of praise.